This is um, literally going to uh, be part of the theme that we have continually going on, that even as there is uh, church planting that's taking place in this church, there's church planting that's coming out of this place, um, we are also going to continue the theme of missions over the course of um, the summer as well. Um, What we have is uh, a couple of our people coming in. Many of you are familiar with Peter Aline. Um, Peter Aline, who's sewn into this house um, several times before, he will be back over the summer speaking about missions. We talked to you last week about our missions that are going on in Paris as we speak. They're continuing to do outreach there, and we have people on the ground reaching out in the city to get a church established in Paris, and that's good news. Uh, We're going to be doing our Luxembourg outreach this summer, and then actually at the end of July, we're going to also have um, some of our missionaries that we support as a church in Marseille, France. They're going to be here visiting with us, giving an update on all the work of God that's going on in Marseille, France, and uh, also uh, ministering the Word of God to us at the end of July. So this is a summer of missions, okay? It is, we, uh, this, as Daniel said, we believe um, that God not only wants to see um, uh, people reached here in Chicago, but in the U.S. and to the ends of the earth, right? And so we have to participate with what he's doing on an ongoing, active, proactive basis. And so to that end, what we're going to be doing over the next several weeks is we're going to be actually doing a series called The Macedonian Call. The Macedonian Call. And what we've done over the past several summers is we've gone through, uh, after uh, Pentecost Sunday, we've gone through the book of Acts, really helping the people of God to understand what the church looked like in the early days after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection from the dead, and also his ascension to the right hand of the Father in heaven. And the Macedonian Call picks up where we left off last year, whenever Paul and his traveling companions were going through the cities, establishing churches in the pagan world. And what we see is that as we get to Acts chapter 16, they're at the point where if you're historically looking through what Paul was doing, it's a part of his second missionary journey. So when they went through and they established churches initially, they went back around to those churches after initially establishing them to strengthen them, to build them up, to see how they're doing, to encourage them in the things of God and in the faith. And what we want to do is is be those types of people, right? Not only see a work of God get established, but it's almost like having a child. You have a child, which many people are doing nowadays. You know I mean, it's great and it's good, but you have a child, but when you have a child, you don't leave them to fend for themselves, right? Okay, Christian people, we said amen to that, <laughs> okay? <laughs> so you don't leave them to fend for themselves, but you actually have great care and great concern, great activity in terms of building them up into all that God's intended them to be over the course of at least 18 years of their life, right? And then after that, they're on their own. But, after, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. But after that, what we see is that Paul and his traveling companions were specifically doing this throughout the Roman world, and this is where we're gonna pick up in Acts chapter 6. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the missionary journeys and first understanding how God does things, not what he does, because we know that what he does is he saves lives, right? Isn't that good news? Everybody's happy to be here because he saves lives. He came and he rescued us, whether through family members, friends, or co-workers. Somebody reached out to you with 
the good news of Christ, and you're here today because Jesus saves lives. Jesus saves souls. His death, burial, and resurrection are all about the good news that this life is in it, that he came to redeem. He came to bring new life and eternal life to boot through the cross. And through the cross, he's expressing his concern for the world and for humanity throughout the earth. And so today, what we're going to talk about is not what he does, but how he does it how he does it in the church, how he does it in this Macedonian call. And if you're taking notes, what, you can, um, what we're going to go through is three things. Number one, to whom God has called you. Number two, to whom God has called you to minister. And then number three, with whom God has called you to minister. Okay? So number one, to whom God has called you. Number two, to whom God has called you to minister, and then finally, with whom God has called you to minister, the Macedonian call. And the reason that we're going through this is part of theology is to understand and discern not just who God is, but the ways of God, the ways of God. Not only understanding who God is in his person, that we might relate to him properly, but then how to walk with him based on his ways. Many of you are familiar with Moses and Moses as he was leading the Israelites out of Egypt into the promised land. It said something very significant about him. He was known as a friend of God and all of us would aspire to be known as such a person, right? A friend of God. But the thing about it is, is as he was leading the people of Israel out of Egypt into the promised life that he had for them as a friend of God, it said, made a distinction between the two people. It said that of Moses, it said that the Israelites knew his hand, meaning God's hand, what he did, his miracles, his signs and his wonders over and over again, right? Even when he brought them out of Egypt, he brought them out by mighty acts of power, signs and wonders and miracles, right? Our God is a God of miracles. And so the Israelites knew his hand. But in knowing his hand, what happened over and over again is that it wasn't enough to know his hand. Their hearts weren't turned towards him, right? Their hearts weren't turned towards him. And so then over and over again, you see them going and falling back into cycles of sin. But it said about Moses, Moses knew his ways. Moses knew his ways, and therefore Moses was able to walk faithfully with God in the purposes that God had for him and his people. And whenever Moses was praying, he said, God, I'm asking you if you're pleased with me, teach me your ways. Teach me not just who you are, but teach me your ways that I might continue to be pleasing to you. And so as we look throughout the scripture and the example of how God's interacted with his people throughout biblical, the biblical narrative, what we can discover is what God intends for Christ-centered living by looking at how he's interacted with and directed his people over the course of time. So today, let's open up to Acts chapter 16, starting in verse 1. It said, Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places. 
for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. That's the plan of God, right? That the church of Jesus Christ would be strengthened in the faith and increase in numbers daily. Meaning that people who don't know God would come to know God. That people who need to come to repentance, come to repentance. That the life of God is increased in the earth. This is what was happening. It says, and they went through the region of Persia and Galatia. Having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonian was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we, everybody say we, sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us. Everybody say us. us. God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So what is it that he's saying here, and what is it that he's talking about? Paul was going through the known world, preaching the gospel, preaching the good news of Jesus, seeing churches established where churches weren't before, spreading the kingdom of God in its place. And the first thing that we see very specifically from this is to whom we're called. Obviously, the gospel of Jesus Christ is all about to whom we're called. It's about the fact that God, through the cross of Jesus, was reconciling humanity that was estranged from him to himself. He said, through my sacrificial love, I am laying down my life voluntarily to get a hold of you, to get a hold of me, right? Through the cross and his death, burial, and resurrection, he's saying, literally, I'm coming for you. So to whom we're called is ultimately, and most importantly, God himself, God himself, We're called to God. You are called to belong to God. And if you do not know God today, the good news is is that by his sovereignty, he's brought you here today so that you might know him, that you might be reconciled to him in Christ, that you might come to repentance and faith and believe the good news that Jesus laid down his life for you to wash away your sins, to wash away your wrongdoings and give you a new chance of life in him. That is the good news. And if you've never accepted it, he said always, today is the day of salvation. You do not have to wait. You do not have to know everything. You can come today and know Christ. You can begin a relationship today and be what the Bible calls be born again, which means that you are birthed by the Spirit of God, and then you learn after that point, just like a natural baby, how to live in the life that he's given you. But today is the first step. If you do not know God, be reconciled to him through Jesus. 
Turn away from your sin. Turn away from your rebellion. Turn away from selfish living that's destroying our lives anyway and be reconciled to God. Come to Him. Be called by Him. Be called by His name. You're called to God. But after that, after we say ultimately what we know as metaphorically people talk about the sinner's prayer, what do we do after that time? What do we do with the rest of our lives after we are reconciled to God? After we know who He is and how to actually walk with Him? Well, number one, we grow in the knowledge of God, right? We grow in the knowledge of God. We grow in the knowledge of our Heavenly Father and we're conformed into His image day after day after day. And it's a beautiful, liberating thing, is it not? The more you know God, the freer you are in your own soul. The joy of God actually fills your heart. It's not actually just a trite thing. It's not just an academic thing. It's actually a tangible, real thing. He said the kingdom of God is not just about talk. It's about power. Power to set your heart and your mind free. It's actually not just about eating and drinking, the Bible says, but it's about righteousness, peace, real peace, and joy, real joy in the Holy Spirit, right? He says, as you grow in the knowledge of God, these are the gifts that he gives to you. He gives the gift of himself, then he gives the gift of all that comes with him. But he says, I've called you to this by calling you to myself. But it's not just you being called to him, it's also you being called to his people. It's also being called to his people. God calls you to himself in Christ as an individual. And though this is the most important thing, He also calls you to his purposes as a part of his people. And this literally rubs against the individualistic society that we find ourselves living in today. What you see in the book of Acts is that they did things and they made decisions and they moved as a people. They didn't just say that I'm a freelance worker. Uh, They didn't say I'm an independent contractor. They said if God has purpose, he's called me first to himself, but then he's called me to move with his people. Now that's different for us in the West, right? In other cultures, even in Jamaican culture, it's much... I bring up Jamaica only because that's where my family's from, for those of you I don't know well, okay? It's sort of like Jamaica, that was random. No, it's not random, okay? But in in Jamaican culture, it's much more of a community living, right? It's much more of we're doing this as a tribe. We're doing this as a people. And even, even though we don't try to live that way by the decisions that we make today, right, people gravitate towards that. We're living in the city of Chicago, right, where violence and gang activity is a big issue, And why is it happening? It's because people are by nature tribal. People are by nature designed by God looking for where they belong and to whom they're going to live life with, right? Who they're going to do things with, who they're going to fulfill their purpose with. Because even without knowing God, God said he set eternity in the hearts of men and women, though we don't know what he's done from beginning to end. And so people intrinsically are still looking for purpose. But God's saying, I'm giving you first a calling to myself and then a calling to my people by which you find your purpose. By which you'll find your purpose. We see that very clearly represented, that even as Paul and and his traveling companions at this point, Silas, were going through the different Roman communities. They end up in this particular city, and Timothy, a Timothy who was a disciple, well spoken of by the church community there. 
Paul said, listen, I've heard of your good acts. I've heard of your devotion to the Lord. I've heard of your desire to serve him in fervency and in truth. I want you to come along with me and be a part of bringing this good news of the kingdom of God, of his liberty to the ends of the earth. And so all of a sudden, we don't know what Timothy would have been before, but we know now there's at least first and second Timothy in the Bible, right? There's first and second Timothy in the Bible. Why? Because there was a calling up. There was a calling up through relationship into the purposes of God that happened in Timothy's life. He was called first to Jesus. That's why he was called the disciple. And then he was called into relationship through which he found the purposes of God. And the relationship that you have with the Father is ultimate. The relationship that you have with his people is secondary and important to fulfilling the call that he has for you. When God talks about the company or the people that we're joined to, he often talks about warnings. I mean, even in 1 Corinthians 15.33, he says that it's a warning that you want to be careful who you yoke yourself to, right? Just in life in general. He says, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals, right? So even when you're trying to be a Christian or you're trying to, you know, live for God wholeheartedly, you need to be careful about the inputs that you receive on a regular basis because bad company can corrupt good character. And that doesn't mean don't be friends with people who don't love God, but it sure does mean don't be defined by them. Don't actually take your cues from them. Don't get your wisdom and your opinions and your life-altering decision-making from people who don't know God. He's saying bad company could corrupt good morals. But if that's true, so is the opposite. That good company can do what? Encourage good morals, can encourage good character, can encourage the godly living and fervency in God that you need to fulfill his purposes in your life. There was one of our senior ministers who was one of my mentors years ago who actually said it this way, you find your people, you find your purpose. You find your people, you find your purpose. Is that not true? It sure is in marriage, right? Hello? In marriage, you find your people, you find your purpose. For those of you who are unmarried, you better be careful. You find your people, you find your purpose. And who you yoke yourself to will determine your destiny. Who you yoke yourself to will determine your destiny. And what God is saying is first, yoke yourself to me, and then yoke yourself with one who loves me just as fervently and passionately as you do so that together you might go on in the things that he has for you. But it's not just something like like marriage. That's the most important covenant that we make outside of our relationship with God himself. But it's also the covenants that we make with one another in life, right? Anybody remember a man named David or a man named Jonathan in the Bible? Remember after slaying the mighty Goliath, they became one in spirit, right? And they began to fight on behalf of the purposes of God to extend his kingdom all throughout Israel at the time. And in the same way, there was a yoking, there was a uniting to bring them into the purpose of God. This is what you see with Paul and Timothy in this example. They were being yoked together to fulfill kingdom purposes. Who you are doing things with is just as important as what you're doing. Because if you find your people, you'll find your purpose. 
it's not just answering the question of to whom God has called you. It's also, in this case, answering the question of to whom God has called you to minister. Life is, in God, ultimately not meant to cul-de-sac with us. Can everybody say amen to that? Life is just not just about you or me or me fulfilling my own you know, personal desires or you know, getting to achieve my own personal dreams, right? It's literally about the dreams that are in God's heart. Okay, can everybody say amen to that? Come on, we're in church. <laughs> you, you can agree with this. God has a plan. God has a plan, right? God has a plan. In heaven above, from eternity past, God has had a plan of redemption, and by his mercy and grace, we are a part of that. We have the privilege of not only being, being adopted as his children, but then being called to be a part of that. And to whom he's called you to minister is part of that plan. He says, I'm calling you to myself. I'm calling you to a people through whom you'll actually fulfill my kingdom purposes. And then I'm calling you to actually a place and a people to whom you minister. Come over to Macedonia and help us. Come over to Macedonia and help us is what Paul, Timothy, and the traveling companions heard. Now that was during the night in a vision, but it was authored of God. It was authored of God. Come over here and help us. In Acts chapter 13, if you read the historic account, we see that Paul and Barnabas at the time were set apart to the work that God had called them to, right? So as far as the call to the work of God in missions, that wasn't in question. They already knew I was called to do this, right? But whenever you get to Acts chapter 16, they're trying to work it out. They're trying to say, okay, I know there's a call, but how? How will I know how to do this, right? That's right, Whitney Houston. <laughs> how will I know if he really? Okay, so here's the thing. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> but how will I know how to walk it out, right? How will I know how? Isn't that the question that many of us have? Okay, I hope we have. <laughs> Not just what we're supposed to do, but how am I supposed to do it? He gives us clues here into figuring out how to walk out his plan. How to walk out his plan. Come over here and help us. Most Christians, whenever they get really spiritual, they pray themselves into paralysis. They pray themselves into paralysis. Now, we obviously believe in prayer here. We believe we're called to be a house of prayer for all the nations. And we're to pray the things of God. God, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? But how many people know what I mean when I say you can pray yourself into paralysis? You're waiting to hear something so profound. And the booming voice from heaven 
the heavens parting, right? Has anybody, has anybody, come on, tell me I'm not alone in this. Has anybody like stood outside before just looking up into the sky, <laughs> waiting for God to part the heavens and speak and then say, finally, I've had my Joan of Arc moment. <laughs> you know, I'm going to go, <laughs> you know, I'm going to go into the things of God, right? When God's like, listen, I've already spoken. I've already spoken and told you what to do. So now you make efforts to put it into practice, make plans to the best of your ability and work it out. If I don't want you to do it, I'm able to speak. I am able to speak. And that's what Paul and his companions experienced, right? They knew, Acts 13, that God had called them to preach the gospel in the nations. And so what did they do? They got about the business. They said, I'm going to make efforts. We're going to try to go into trust, right? And what happened? It said the Spirit of Jesus said, nope, not here. Okay, I'm going to try to go into Asia. Not here yet. You're going to get there, but not yet, right? Because God has a timing for everything that he does. And what we see is that there has been literally a, a circumventing of the entire globe to bring the gospel to all the nations that's been happening throughout the history. And he said, go west, young man, and started going west with the gospel, and it's coming back around through China and through the Silk Road, going back to Jerusalem now. That is happening historically today. So God has timing for everything. But he said, listen, don't go there yet. He said, but I, but I know I'm supposed to preach. They don't know you yet. He said, not yet. I tried, and he said, not yet. And then as they were continuing to make effort, continuing to try things, it is okay to try things in absence of hearing a voice. Hello? It is okay to step out in faith in the absence of hearing God thunder from heaven. Why? Because you have your Bible. And the Bible's giving you everything you need to know for life and godliness in him. He said, do this, find a way to put it into practice, and he'll be with you. Stop asking him if you should eat cornflakes or frosted flakes. Listen, he says, I've given you a choice. Right? Come on now. Praying ourselves into paralysis. He said, go make a plan, and when I don't want you to do it, I'll be like, uh-uh. And when I do want you to do it, guess what? I'm able to intervene and send you a dream, right? Because God speaks first in one way and then another, though man may not perceive it. In a dream, in a vision of the night, right? Job 33, 3. He says, I spoke to them in a dream. And in that dream, even as they were trying to do things, and I said, nope, he said there was a Macedonian call. And he said, hey, listen, I'm giving you a call, and I'm telling you, come and help them. Go and help them. He, there was a cry from God saying, go and help these people. These people. And in doing so, they were able to respond to what God was actually doing. The Macedonian call doesn't have to be for something just like international missions, though it is what we celebrate in here. Come on, McReeve. Ah! <laughs> right? <laughs> it can also be a Macedonian call for your workplace, a Macedonian call for your friendship group, a Macedonian call for your neighborhood, for your school, for a city or a nation. 
where the people are literally, you're hearing a cry saying, come over here and help us. You have the answers. You have the good news of Jesus who can deliver and save. Come over here and help us. Where you find yourself today, by God's sovereignty, that is his Macedonian call for you. Let me make it real plain. Even if you haven't had a dream, you are where you are by the sovereignty of God until he says go otherwise. I'm telling you, it's his call to you and there are people crying in their souls. Help us. I need an answer. My soul is in torment. My life is being destroyed. Somebody's got to have an answer. And Jesus is saying, it's me. There's a Macedonian call. But to whom he's called you to minister is defined by that, maybe that dream that he's given you. But it's not just an individual dream. It's also in the counsel of the people to whom he's called you. Francis Chan. How many people are familiar with Francis Chan? Francis Chan, great man of God, in a book called Crazy Love, some of you have read it, he said, our greatest fear should not be of failure, but of succeeding at things in life that don't really matter. Our greatest fear should not be of failure, but of succeeding at things in life that don't really matter. Now, all of us can be susceptible to that trap, right? All of us can be susceptible to the trap of literally pursuing things that will give us accolades in the world, but in the economy of God don't really matter. But that's why it's important that God's called you first to himself and then to a people that will help you avoid that trap. Godly counsel helps protect us from this. How do we know this? By this example. They were moving in tandem together into the purposes of God. And what they understood was that God steers moving ships much better than he does ships in port. God steers moving ships much better than he does ships in port. Meaning that when you're on the move, he can steer you much better than if you're just sitting around waiting for something to happen. And the good news is is that if you need to get moving. You need to, number one, connect yourself to God, but connect yourself to people who are also moving that they might get, you mo- get moving with them, right? That's what they had, traveling companions through which they were accomplishing the work of God. Why? Because on their own, what Timothy was probably being a great disciple wherever he was from, but then Paul came and said, hey, listen, come on, I need you to get circumcised and come with me. What? Can you, ima- <laughs> Can you imagine, right? Dedication, baby. <laughs> Get circumcised and come with me. We're going to be ministering to Jews and Gentiles alike. But it got him moving into the things that God actually had for him. So to whom he was called actually was just as important. Paul was set apart for the missionary work. There was no question. The rest of his missionary um, um, ministry became his efforts to fulfill that call for the prayerful planning and evangelistic efforts with the people with whom God had joined him. And the dream from God to reach the Macedonians, which, if you're wanting to interpret your Bible better, inevitably resulted in the churches in Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea. Anybody familiar with these names? Okay, if you're reading your Bible, when we're talking about Macedonia, we're talking about what was in Macedonia. It was a region, like the Chicagoland area, right? 
And within that region, there was the city of Thessalonica. There was the city of Philippi. There was the city of Berea. This is what God was calling them to do in reaching these particular people. They were fulfilling the call of God together. And godly counsel helped call them into this because to whom they were called was fulfilled by with whom they would uh, fulfill that ministry with. God gives you plans and purpose in the counsel of your people with whom he's called you to minister. Okay? Thank you, (laughs) Bill. Progression now. Okay? We're seeing the progression. God calls you to himself. God calls you to a people. God calls you to minister to a people. God calls you to minister to a people with a people. And then God calls you to minister to a people. And how? Through the counsel of the people that he surrounds you with. Which means that I don't define as much as of what I do as I would like to. <laughs> do you know that, quite frankly, you define more of what I do on a daily basis than I would like you to? <laughs> I mean, quite frankly, <laughs> I would like to do what I want, when I want, go where I want, you know? But when I receive a call or a text or an invitation or, you know, or I know something's going on, guess what? My day gets reordered, and I love it sometimes, you know? But the, <laughs> you know, but the, thing, but the thing is, it's a privilege, Right? It's a privilege because who I'm called to be is defined not just by me. Hello. Who I'm called to be is not just defined by me, but it's also defined by the people to whom he's joined me. And so if I'm going to find first who I'm called to, settled issue, Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords, to whom I'm called to do it with, Settled, second city. Who to, what, to whom I'm called to minister, Chicago and the nations. Settled, right? Settled. Settled. Now, how are we going to do it? It depends on what we come out with together. God gives you plans and purposes. Again, find your people. Def- not just find your people, find your purpose, but find your people, define your plans. Find your people, define your plans. Why do we know this? Why do we know this? If we go back a little bit in Proverbs, proverbial wisdom gives us three, at least three different instances. He says this in Proverbs 15, 22. He says, if you've got plans, if you've got great things you want to do for God, anybody got great things you want to do for God? Aspire, people! (laughs) okay aspire he says without plan um, i'm sorry without counsel plans fail in our culture we're encouraged to be mavericks is that not true we're encouraged that, it, listen, even in my own family culture, you know what I mean? They were immigrants, and so it's like, you know, the idea was we pick ourselves up from our own bootstraps, you know what I mean? And we work and we make a way in the new land. Where's God in that? No, it was me. I decided what I want to do, when I want to do it, and I succeeded. False. False. Right? 
And for years in my family line, there was a deviation from God because of that type of mentality. But God's like, listen, if you're making plans in godly counsel, you fail if you don't go for it. You don't get the counsel. But with many advisors for the things of God, plans succeed. 2018 says plans are established by counsel, by wise guidance, wage war. By wise guidance, wage war. In verse, chapter 24, verse 3, he says, By wisdom, a house is built, and by understanding, it is established. By knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. A wise man is full of strength, and a man of knowledge enhances his might. For by wise guidance, you can wage war. And an abundance of counselors, there is victory. So what does this have to do with, not who we're called to, to whom we're called to do it with, but how we're called to minister, with whom God has called us to minister. Go back to that Acts example, and you see very practically, they tried to go into different areas, trying to figure out what God was calling them to do. The Spirit of Jesus was saying no. Then a Macedonian call came in a vision to Paul, right? And then what was the conclusion? We concluded that God had called Paul. Everybody was like, we'll see you, Paul. Good, good to know you. It's been real. Hey, guys, I got this dream from Macedonia. Well, I didn't. (laughs) I didn't hear anybody saying, come over and help me. You did, Paul. So God bless you. Is that what happened? No, it said, therefore God had called. We concluded that God had called us. God had called us to minister the gospel to them. See how that works? These are the ways of God. It's not just what to do, it's how to do it. Just as important. He said, you are already on the move. You are joined to a people. And then he says, God has called me to himself. But now he says, this is what he says to do. And basically, if there's a vision that's revealed, then it's God calling us to do it. And we're rallying to do it. Right? Some of you have never thought about going to the Middle East. Why do we care? Number one, because God does. Number two, because the McGreevies are going. Hello. They were part of us. And so we concluded that God had called us to minister there too. Does this make sense? Why did we end up in the DR? Because God cares. And then the Lopez's have a vision for it. And so therefore we concluded that God has called us to minister there. Do you see how this works? It's not just independent living. It is literally, there is room for you. Many of you say, listen, if I show up at a church, I want everything handed to me on a silver platter. Everything that I want and everything that I'm hoping for to already be there and provided for me. And you know what I mean? I just want to be pampered like a... Listen, maybe God is calling you to actually be the voice 
of the Macedonian call. And if there's something that God wants us to do, maybe it's not going to happen until you voice it. So that we might call us to minister there. Why? Because plans are worked out in the council of many advisors. If we wage war, we're seeking advice. Right? For the kingdom to go forward, we're seeking advice. And so what is it that he's put on your heart to do so that God might call us to minister to them? These are the ways of God. Stop playing your independent sport. Stop it. God has called us to do something for them whenever we open our mouth and we hear that Macedonia call. Amen? Amen. Is this making sense to you? It is not just who we're called to. To whom? It's also to whom we're called to minister. And it's not just to whom we're called to minister, it's with whom we're called to minister to them. All of these things are important in the economy of God. All of these things are important in the economy of God. And if we want to start seeing what we read about in the Gospels and in the book of Acts, we've got to live as they did. Hello? We've got to live as they did not have a different recipe expecting to get the same results. He says, I've given you a game plan. Do this, and I'll do that. Do this, and I'll do that. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen? All right. I'll receive my stoning later, but thank you for listening to the word of God today. <laughs> Let's rise to our feet and pray that we might go into a time of worship and all that God has for us. Father, we thank you that you've given us your good, good word. And we thank you that God Almighty, you are high and lifted up in charge and sovereign ruler over heaven and earth. God, we say that today we're a people who not only want to, like the Israelites, know your hand, but we want to be like Moses. We want to be a people who know your ways. God, we want to be people who know your ways and walk in your ways. God, bring us to a place where we're fully submitted to you and then joining you together in your purposes. In Jesus' name, amen.